Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you, we have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Jason White, co-founder, editor-in-chief of Politoscope, TYT. TYT Rebel HQ creator and host of many other platforms. Always fascinating to have Jackson White on the show. All right, top story of the day. I told you what happened. I said CNN, if you put her back on, if you put him back on the show, she will sue because he's going to lie again. That's exactly what happened. Let's put it up for a mask. Okay. E. Jean Carroll is mulling filing a third lawsuit against Donald Trump. Good for her. Why? Because Donald Trump decided to do the thing that he just got convicted of doing, which is defamation. All right. Uh, so Donald Trump decided to ridicule E. Jean Carroll, his victim, during a CNN town hall on Wednesday evening, the day after a federal jury found Trump liable, liable for sexual abuse and defaming E. Jean Carroll. Meanwhile, Trump is appealing the $5 million verdict awarded to her. That's according to a new federal filing on Thursday, all right? Now, this is really interesting because the lawsuit that actually stemmed from an assault in a Burkford Goodman dressing room, this was in the 90s. But on CNN, he called the sexual assault a made up story. That's what he said, CNN gave him the platform to do so. He also continued to deny knowing who Carol was, a claim he's made since she published an essay in 2019 detailing the assault. This woman, I don't know her, I never met her, I have no idea who she is, Trump said on CNN. She described Trump's Wednesday comments as old school misogyny. I am upset on behalf of young men in America, Carol told the Times. They cannot listen to this balderdash and his old timey view of women, which is a caveman view. Uh, Carol still has another defamation suit against Trump making his way through the court. She's probably going to win that one as well. Stemming from other comments he has made in which he accused her of making up the assault. Trump has tried to argue that since he made those comments while he was president, he can't be sued despite pending litigation. Kaplan said another lawsuit against Trump is still possible. Kaplan is the attorney for E. Jean Carroll. Everything's on the table, obviously, and we have to give serious consideration to it, Kaplan told the Times. We have to weigh the various pros and cons and we'll come to a decision in the next day or so, probably. Now, here's a new dynamic to the potential future lawsuit. CNN was aware that Donald Trump lies about this particular person. He was convicted by a jury of defaming that particular individual. Defamation only works when your claims are specific against an individual. And they cause damage, reputation damage, money damage, whatever it may be. CNN decided to still platform the guy. So I wonder, is Kaplan thinking, you know, it wasn't Trump who published the content. Let me explain why that part is important. Uh, this type of lawsuit requires 
republishing of the content. If Trump would have said this to possibly say a family member, maybe not an issue here. E. Jean Carroll is considered a public official or a public person. He's a public official. Rules are different for those who have that public dynamic. But when there's money, CNN has some, lawsuits start flying. All right, okay, uh, related to the town hall, there's more information that CNN decided to basically stage the crowd. So you heard uh, people applauding Donald Trump, but nobody seemed to be shocked by the ridiculous and insensitive things he said. I'm like, wait a minute, did they do this in Florida at his house? Because nobody has a problem with anything that he's saying, everybody is applauding. Well, that's because CNN, yep, they set the audience among other things. Viewers complained the CNN had reportedly stacked the audience with 400 voters defined as sympathetic to Trump. What? Wow. But those voters may not have been as sympathetic as they sounded according to a conversation between Puck News senior political correspondent and Tara Palmera and Matthew Bartlett, who served as the US uh, who served at the US Department of State. Quote, on CNN, it sure looked like Trump won over the crowd during his town hall interview with Caitlin Collins. It reads, but the reality was different in the room. And in the state of New Hampshire, when asked about whether they were, whether there were ground rules for the audience, the individual present stated that the network did some warm up with the audience ahead of time. That included the floor manager guiding spectators on how to respond. And how not to respond according to the interview. The floor manager came out ahead of time and said, please do not boo, please be respectful. You are allowed to applaud. And I think, I think that set the tone where people were going to try their best to keep this between the navigational beacons. That if they felt compelled to applaud, they would, but they weren't going to have an outburst or they weren't going to boo an answer. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, CNN, I thought this was about the authenticity of the moment. You know, there are people who like Trump, there are people who don't like him. Why is it that only the people who like him are able to applaud? But the people that don't like him or what he says, uh, they cannot express their disdain. This doesn't make sense. When this happens at a presidential debate, I've seen you all try to correct the crowd in real time. But typically you do not tell the crowd, hey, you can only applaud for these people and you cannot express any disappointment in any answer they give. Once again, I think that direction is adversarial to the notion of transparency. You're already platforming a guy who has been convicted of sexual abuse. And then you stage the audience to give him a favorable presentation. There's a problem here. All right, Jackson thoughts. Well, you know, the reality is, is that um, the more I watch, the more it just really seems like independents and swing voters just simply are not gonna vote for Donald Trump. It's looking like Joe Biden's gonna pretty effortlessly win reelection as most incumbents do win their reelection. So it's really not unique in that regard. 
But you know, Donald Trump is just, he really can't go a week without some type of incredible scandal riddling his brand, and yet the Republican base doesn't care. I mean, this man, as you pointed out, just got convicted for sexual assault. He had to pay up for it, on top of being the only president in history to be indicted, two impeachments, and then decades worth of just flat out ripping people off in business. I mean, there's really nothing good about his brand. You know, he's entertaining. It's funny to watch him make fun of people like Ron DeSantis, but if you hold his feet to the fire in any type of significant way, he completely crumbles. Because I mean, yeah, the Republican base somehow saw that CNN town hall and thought, yeah, he sure did stick it to him. But anybody else who saw that could really, I mean, he just, he did bad, he did terrible. Uh, On top of uh, the things that he said about E. Jean Carroll the day after being convicted, all he really did was go up there and say that he in fact won the 2020 election. Anybody who disagrees with that is stupid, he literally said that. And pretty much nothing else. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's I won't complain about the fact that it's really looking like he just simply can't win a general election. But it's really crazy watching the Republican Party just not be able to get rid of a man like Donald Trump. Yeah, it is interesting. Now, I wish I could share your enthusiasm about an eventual Biden victory. I do not. I hope I'm wrong about that. But we'll see. We Biden. Yeah, Biden, however, yeah. you know, he's no champion of progressive values, but at least he's not Donald Trump. This is sad as hell. We have to vote that way. The man who uh, killed another human being in front of other people while being recorded has finally been arrested. Let's put it up for a mask. Did they send in SWAT in order to arrest him? Did they kick in the door, no knock warrant? No, they allowed himself to surrender. They allowed him to surrender. Daniel Penny, a US Marine veteran trained killer, held an unsheltered street artist, Jordan Neely, in a fatal chokehold on a New York subway earlier this month. He has now surrendered to authorities to face second degree manslaughter charge. Penny left the police precinct in handcuffs and is expected to be arraigned later today. Now, I'm going to go to the video because it's important to remind you of what you saw that went viral. Here it is. Does any of that look like self-defense to you? I mean, you've been living for a long time. You've seen things. Did that look like self-defense to you? Still, it took a national movement. It took countless leaders, advocates, activists, politicians, preachers, everyday citizens of this country. It took a movement for him to get arrested. And he's not arrested with vigor, he's almost arrested with hesitation. Hey, you know, sorry, we gotta do it. He just come to the precinct, killed a man. More information is now 
coming, a bystander who was at the scene. Bystander who was at the scene of the incident in New York City. Subway train where Jordan Neely was held in the Daily Choco says he tried to help Neely. But was barred from doing so by Daniel Penny. Eyewitness John Grima, a homelessness activist, told the New Yorker he was there on the F train at Broadway Lafayette Street Station on May 1st. He said, and I quote, let's put the quote up, I saw Penny holding Neely by the neck and another guy holding on to Neely as if he was still resisting. Neely, Neely was staring off. But honestly, at the moment, I didn't know how long they had had him, Grima said. The way they were holding him, it was as if uh, it was as if they had just had the craziest fight or something. They're holding onto him for dear life. Somebody was filming it. And this person finally said, you gotta let him go. They finally let him go and he just fell limp. Let me tell you why that context is important. Now remember, the officers they first apprehended Penny. They questioned him, decided not to arrest him, decided to let him go. Eyewitnesses were there, easy to corroborate the context here, but they chose not to, at least initially. Multiple individuals have similar stories about who was the aggressor, and it was not Mr. Neely. There's more. Um, Grima said he noticed that Jordan's eyes were completely still and he wasn't moving. But stated the people who pinned Neely down said he was still breathing. They were acting acting in such a way that no one else could come next to him. I told them to put him on his side. I didn't believe that he was dead. I never seen a dead body before. I didn't want him choking on his own spit of vomit. Now, what is the scene? What is the witness describing? The witness has said, it was as if they did not want us near Mr. Neely. Now, you have at least one individual that we know has advanced training in combat. You know what else they train you on in combat? When a body is dead, okay? They train you on when the body is dead. Now, the fact that the witness says they actually tried to stop us from being able to get close to Mr. Neely. Is that evidence of a guilty conscience? Is that evidence of their knowledge of the crime? Definitely can be argued in the prosecution. That's when Grima decided to move in and provide aid to Neely. Said and I quote, I had my water bottle in my hand. I wanted to try to check him out, but I was intimidated by these people. I don't know anybody. I wasn't trying to get stabbed, I tried to move in. I poured a little water on his forehead and Daniel Penny came over and told me stop. He shuffled me off. The only reason they're letting him off is the race of the people involved. If that was a white woman he choked to death, he'd be in a cell right now, Grima said. Completely 100% accurate, as a matter of fact, if Neely would have strangled Penny, what do you think would have been the result? Do you think Mr. Neely would have been given the option 
after about a week or so to just go to a precinct, turn himself in, answer a few questions, get processed right out. Then the charge itself, second degree manslaughter. They're already telling you the fix is in from the charge. That second degree manslaughter, BS, what you saw was a murder. They did not even charge with the other offenses and then include what's called the lesser included. Didn't even do that. Okay, my dear brother, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that this is pretty simple. I don't think any, I don't see how you could watch that and feel like that wasn't a murder, especially just, um, you know, typically with anything to do with self defense or combat, as you pointed out, you know, especially ex military, you'd be trained to know when a body's dead. But even if you don't have that deep of training, you know, it's it's typical to not necessarily want to go really far when you're defending yourself or if you're just in some type of fight. You know, someone has much more uh, likely of a chance of suffocating like uh, Neely did if you're choking them out than if maybe you hit them in the face a few times mm. or bop them in the body a few times and then, you know, see if they back off. But that's typically how fights go. Like you defend yourself just enough, even if you're beefing with somebody. Like people typically aren't trying, really trying to go that far because there's something in your mind that's like, stop. You know what I mean? And clearly that wasn't there. So I think that this isn't a complicated issue at all, but unfortunately, um, it's been made into one. Yeah, uh, status, race, and naturally the political normality of America makes it complex. Army sergeant kills Black Lives Matter protester. He gets 25 years. Let's put it up full mass, okay? U.S. Army Sergeant Daniel Perry was sentenced to 25 years in prison this month by a Texas judge for killing a protester during the 2020 George Floyd protest. Okay, here's Garrett Foster, right? The George Floyd protester and fatal victim. It's a damn shame, right? Sad, horrific. Daniel Perry was convicted on April 7th of fatally shooting 28 year old Garrett Foster. Shot him five times before driving away. His fate was in the hands of District Judge Clifford Brown, who after hearing the evidence presented, sentenced the 36 year old to 25 years in prison, which was recommended by by the prosecution. Under law, Brown could have sentenced Foster to life if the judge chose. The trial following the murder of Foster, who also served in the military, unthreaded his killer's dark history. The prosecution made Perry out to be a racist and introducing bigoted text messages and social media posts that he either wrote, shared, or liked. The defense said their client is a man that acted in self-defense, suffering from post-traumatic disorder from his time being stationed in Afghanistan and being bullied as a kid. You see, Republican Governor Greg Abbott made public his desire to pardon Perry. We covered that. This is the governor shaking hands with indicted Proud Boy leader Joe Briggs. He gets down with the crew. So remember when we reported on this statement from Abbott, I mean, it was immediate. I mean, the guy couldn't wait to say something after the conviction, right? And he says, hey, I am waiting for the pardon department to put something on my desk about pardoning the man who just got convicted and the governor obviously not having 
true details about the crime, right? In Texas, the governor is not allowed to pardon. There's a board. That board, however, can make the recommendation to the governor. The governor can then sign off. So he weighs in. Texas has one of the strongest stand your ground laws. This is Governor Abbott of self defense that cannot be nullified by a jury or progressive district attorney. Abbott said in the statement posted to Twitter almost 24 hours after a jury convicted Perry of Foster's murder. I will work as swiftly as Texas law allows regarding the pardon of Sergeant Perry. The push comes from the defendant's accusation that Foster threatened Perry initially. However, witnesses dispute this entire story, saying they did not see Foster raise his gun. News 10 reported, prosecutors argue Perry could have driven away, but chose not to. They said Perry ran a red light into an area where he could easily see the marchers before he drove it to them. The crowd did not swarm him as he suggested. So the witnesses were presented. You know, juries are fact finders of a case. They are the designated fact finders, right? The governor, well, he doesn't like two types of individuals. He doesn't like voters and he doesn't like jury members, okay? These things are actually fundamental to the process of our courts and democracy. It remains to be seen if justice will be carried out. So the parole board, uh, they did respond to the governor initially, which is filled with appointees by him, is still considering whether to recommend Perry for a pardon, Oh, they will, which is required under Texas law for the governor to then issue a pardon. Perry's defense team has to appeal. Isn't that something? So what do we have now? We have an individual who kills a person who's allied with the black community, no problem. Yeah, we're just gonna make a bunch of lies and say it was self-defense. Jury looks at the evidence, prosecutor prosecutes, no, this guy actually, uh, the judge actually was, the, was sitting as the jury. Judge convicts, says you gotta go to prison, good. They picked judge by jury because they thought that would be a lenient option. He looked at the law. So governor, everybody's wrong on the law, everybody, but you. All right, Jackson thoughts. Well, you know, the only reason, I mean, this is all political. Um, allowing a man to go to prison or to suffer for uh, taking out violence basically against a political movement and an ideology and a set of ideas um, would be a blow to the Republican establishment, a blow to Gre uh, Governor Greg Abbott. Not really, but again, just to their ideals and their ideas of what their brand stands for. And a lot of that is protecting Americans' right to self defense, which typically usually ends up in you know some white guy killing some black guy or you know something along those lines but it's also really always frustrating to see when these types of uh, murders happen when these types of shootings happen how often these people leave so much evidence of how uh, psychologically sick they are all over the internet and how preventable so many of these attacks uh, often are and i think that this is an area uh, where ai technology could really come in handy in terms of, especially since him being a former service member and having yeah. a record of mental health issues, you know, just making it easier for to. to I, I mean, how can we not argue to scan people's social media who have weapons of death and destruction when this type of stuff is happening so often? Yeah. Um, so I think that this is an area where AI can really come in handy uh, because so often you see these things happen and people leave just mountains of evidence that one day they may have done it. You're so right on the mountain of evidence. Typically, these things take place. We look at historical context and say, ah, we should have saw it coming. 
but nobody was paying attention, why? All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Don't forget, Sunday, every Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, you can catch me on Sirius XM Urban View. It is the Dr. Rashad Richard Review. I give you the best one hour of your entire weekend. Stories that you should know about and things you need to look forward to in the week. Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Channel 126, Sirius XM Urban View. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel French? Back off! I've had trouble there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah, you really do. You have something you want to say to me? I I said it all. I, I was just an observer. Do you know him and do you know me? No, you don't know either. It was of an his. impression. And so, so you say so, you don't I know could tell He's a super nice guy. He, he pays people for. And do you know anything about me? I own my own house. I own my own million dollar house downtown. Woo-hoo. I worked hard. And how did you get that? I worked for it. I have two college degrees. How did you work? I have two college degrees. Honey, I've got lots of money too. You're cool. Lots and lots and lots of money. Me too. But it's not about money. It is not about money. I'm I'm just observing. Those are Asian. All I heard is you say languages. You don't speak any languages. You're enjoying an Asian restaurant. And you don't speak any other languages, and you have any audacity to talk about me and who I am and leave I, a note like a word. That's your culture. Your culture is full of murderers, people who commit genocide, absolute cowards. And you proved exactly who your people are. Good job. I took a picture of your note. I have this recorded. Good luck with the internet, babe. Oh, I'm not on the internet like you, yeah. babe. I'm just saying I observed a really sweet guy. And I'm a nice girl too, and he's standing up for me right now. I'm a very nice person. Okay. And who are you? Good. I suggest you stop everything you see. Oh, I got more video and it actually gets worse, but let me explain to you what's happening. This particular Karen decided to slip a note to the male acquaintance who was there with the individual recording. And basically said, hey, this this Asian person is a gold digger, yeah, and walks away, okay? So that's your context, here's more. And looking for Who your do money. Who do I see? I, I'm just I know what I, I see, dude. and he's a sweet guy I'm and you have no one. Like, no, you're there's right. There's nothing that you I'm said that's saying, right. Like, there's a misunderstanding he, here that you're not aware of. Which is I, not I okay. have no You idea. have one not okay. I'm saying you were not okay. You were right. You're absolutely right. I am right. Wrong of me. It was wrong it of you. It was wrong of me. And I apologize. Okay. Okay? I apologize. Now, if you notice, she did not become apologetic until uh, the white male came out and started to talk. All of a sudden, she starts to see things a little differently. She's, she's wrong. Really? Now, does it maintain? No. Here it is. Pretty much 
forgive you because I'm a better person than you. Yeah, you are. I am. I know. I know. Bye. 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 Next time you want to celebrate your anniversary and you want to make fun of Asian people, go to a white restaurant. Go to a white restaurant. Love Asian Calling us Asian posers. I said you were. Yeah. I did not say. Yeah, and you know nothing about either of us. You're a coward. Okay. Okay. I got your license plate number. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. I'm doing great. I'm doing great too. I don't leave people notes to ruin the middle of their dinner. I'm doing very good. That's so funny. Honey bunch. You are so funny. Honey You are so funny. I know. You are so funny. Move on. She's not a person. You are not a good person. Leave it there. Good job. Move on, boy. You can do better. <laughs> exactly. Shut up. Nothing to do with Asian. It has to do. Then why mention Asian in the notes? You, you should have said Asian in the notes. Have you ever seen that Asian show, Money? It's a show about Asian people. It's literally an Asian show centered around Vietnamese and Korean people only. How is that not an Asian show? Oh, and this and this is not an Asian restaurant. It's an Asian restaurant. I have a life. That's why I don't need to leave notes. W R X nine six six eight. The audacity of this level of Karenicity. The woman is literally in an Asian restaurant, eating Asian food, celebrating Asian culture among Asians. A white man walks in who has an Asian woman with him. She decides to take an Asian pen that's owned likely by the Asian company, right on the napkin from the Asian company restaurant and hand it to the white male. That the person you're with is a gold digger. So let me just say this, um, I don't know if the Karen is married to the guy who said, get your ass in the car. Uh, but sir, I, I really think this is how she tries to pick up other men. I'm sorry to break it to you, okay? I think that's her move right there. Hey. All right. That's game. Everybody run their own game. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it was hilarious first because she was like, I love Asian people. And then she, right. she she almost got in the car. And then and then she she loves Asian people so much she got out the car and was like, it's not about Asian people, but you know that one show on Netflix where like, right. you know, they have like the weird depictions of the, and, and, and then the funniest thing apart about me. Well, first, you definitely pointed it out. She she definitely out here looking for other opportunities actively. But also it's like, um, if she was a gold digger and my mans couldn't see that, like if they were on a date or something and he couldn't see that, that's on him. Like what you think you saving him from? If yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, cause women who are, you know, really like that really aren't hard to spot. You know what I'm saying? Like it's easy to tell if a woman doesn't, is really genuinely into you. Um, but yeah. some guys can't tell that. So again, if that was his problem, then you should have left that as problem. But I think she saw him was like, that could be me sitting at that table with you. Yeah, but it, but it can't.
Uh, one of the saddest stories you will hear, very difficult to report on this. Um, let's put it up for a mask. A drunk driver kills a bride who just left her reception. A wedding took a tragic turn for the worst when bride Samantha, they called her Sam Hutchinson, was killed and her groom, Eric Hutchinson, left seriously injured just moments after leaving their wedding reception. The blushing bride was photographed grinning ear to ear right before a drunk driver rear ended the golf cart taking the newlyweds to Folly Beach around 10 p.m. that Friday night. They were happy, look how happy, look at that. The driver of the car, 25 year old Jamie Lee Komorski was arrested and charged with three felony DUIs resulting in great bodily injury or death and one count of reckless homicide. She was traveling 65 and a 25. The golf cart was thrown over 100 yards. It rolled several times once hit on impact. You know, her blood alcohol level was 0.261. That's three times, three times over the legal limit. And she was speeding. The former taco eatery waitress was allegedly so intoxicated during the crash that she appeared confused, telling responding officers, all the sudden something hit me. And repeatedly saying, I did nothing wrong, according to the incident report. The report filed by Folly Beach Police Sergeant Zach Halpern reveals that Komorski admitted to having two drinks an hour before the accident, a beer and a tequila pineapple. When Halpern posed the question to her how drunk she was between a scale of one to 10, she said he heard her mumble that she was an eight right before demanding a lawyer, okay? Let's put up the pictures of the groom. Man, the groom suffered a brain injury, was recently released from the hospital after undergoing two reconstructive surgeries to, rep, uh, to repair fractured bones in his legs, face, broken vertebrae. He's now recovering at home, planning his wife's funeral. Two of the groom's relatives were also in the golf cart during the crash. They were hospitalized as well. Let's keep the picture up. Couple of things here. I can't imagine what this man is going through. I can't imagine what went through the mind of his wife when this happened before she died. But I can tell you that within 24 hours, these individuals experienced the best moment of their life and then the worst, okay? Best moment and then worst moment. This is a danger when we're not self-aware, self-analytical about our own condition. Anytime you drink so much that you're willing to drive and speed and show reckless disregard for life, you have a problem. And I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the person who did this. And anyone who would get behind the wheel while being in that condition. I'm talking to you from the perspective of a man who's been there. I haven't had a drink in what, seven years because I didn't wanna be that person. So I want you to think about decisions that may seem small, 
I'm sure when this person got in her car, she had no idea that she was going to commit murder. Dramatically, adversely affect the lives of the whole family. A GoFundMe has been set up, let's put it up. GoFundMe page launched by Hutchinson's mother will help pay for the bride's burial, medical costs for the groom and his family. She wrote on the GoFundMe, I was handed Eric's wedding ring in a plastic bag at the hospital. Five hours after Sam placed it on her finger and they read each other their vows. Eric has lost the love of his life. Uh, Jackson thoughts. Well, um, as you pointed out first, uh, this was incredibly avoidable. And what's important is, is that um, this type of behavior being, it, it takes time to get that comfortable. Um, yeah. Oftentimes we know uh, what we should and shouldn't do, especially in terms of what could and, and could not be dangerous. But uh, driving very drunk isn't something that people just kind of willy nilly do. It's it's typically something that you're a little bit too comfortable doing, maybe under the under the influence. Maybe you weren't three times over the limit. But again, in order to be in a mindset and for there to be nothing in the back of your mind telling you to stop, that uh, typically takes time. Yeah. And also, um, you know, as you pointed out, in 24 hours, they had the best and worst moment in their lives. But, you know, this really shows how fleeting life can be. And it really puts into perspective how much life really is right now. And um, there's so many things that we can look over and miss and not be present for because we assume that we can get to them later. And it is true that we can't always tend to everything. We all only have 24 hours in a day. However, um, oftentimes uh, the things that we hold most dear to us uh, become the things that we take for granted. That's right. Uh, so, you know, that's just how life is. And you gotta, you gotta be able to appreciate everything you have. That's right. A wise mentor told me one time, God rest his soul. He said, they tell you that experience is the best teacher. He said, that is not true. Experience is the ultimate teacher, but learning from the experience of others is the best teacher. All right, we got more on the other side, indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone about our ongoing fundraiser for our dear brother, Sam Randolph, fully exonerated. He was released from death row in Pennsylvania. He served 21 years for a crime he never committed, never did it. Despite being fully exonerated and released from prison, Sam is currently disabled. He didn't go into the prison that way. According to Sam, when we interviewed him, Guards took him outside to the yard, decided to beat him, to jump him, and in that process, they paralyzed him, okay? He has a great heart, strong soul. He wants to give back by talking to young people, mentoring young people. So we wanna help him in his road to recovery. So we are asking, along with the family, for you to make a financial contribution in any amount, they're trying to reach a goal of 100,000 to support Sam in securing all of the many services he will need after surgery. He's having a surgery. This is a chance, an opportunity for him to walk again, all right? Okay, we got some comments. We'll read as many as I'm able to. Uh, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. I like this, Dr. Richie, real eyes can realize real lies when they see it. Karen was just trying to be a cougar is what he says. 
Facts. Facts. <laughs> you got to peep game, right? Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> Traffic 21 says, a Karen apologizing? I know. It seemed like that's what was happening until you listened to the rest of it. All right. Okay, so cops. Cops fatally shoot a woman holding a knife. I'm going to provide some context here. Here's a video. Back here for me. Watch, watch, knife, 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 Put up the picture full mask. Newly released body cam footage shows New York police shooting and killing a woman after she pulled out a knife. Cops were responding to a domestic dispute regarding the victim, Jamie Feith, and her partner, who was, has not been named and probably will not be named. They were initially able to de-escalate the conflict between the pair, according to the report. So the tense footage of the April 29th, 2022 killing of Jamie was released by the state attorney general's office. This came from their special investigation division. On Tuesday, as the, as the office looks into the police shooting. In New York, incidents in which civilians are killed during encounters with police are subject to investigation by the state attorney general. At the time of the shooting, Jamie, 34, lived with her partner and their three young boys in Hyde Park, a town nearly two hours north of Manhattan. Okay. As Hyde Park police officers, Joshua Kemlich and Brian Sweeney, and a state trooper named Christopher Miller spoke with Jamie following the conflict, she armed herself with a knife and attempted to stab the officers, according to state police reports. The Hyde Park Police Department told the Post they have no comment due to the ongoing investigation. Now, let me show you some other incidents where civilians may have presented to be a threat to police, but they were not killed. In fact, in fact, they were apprehended with little or absolutely no injury at all. Remember this? Drop the gun! Drop the gun! You got any eyes out, Scarf? What's that? You got any eyes? I can't see the door. She's sitting right behind the bed. Yeah, but she's on the other side of the bed. Oh, I'll the Black Revolt. I'm a visitor. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. Drop the gun. Just drop it. Just put it on the ground and slide it away from you. Drop the gun. No, no, no. I got you. I got you. You can't open the outside. Hey, here. Yes. You want to crack this open with this? Can we open it from the outside? Yes, you can open the ground from the outside. Drop the gun. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. We got time, back up, back up, we got time, we got time. We got nothing but time, guys. Can we evacuate some patients from the, from the adjoining rooms? Can we do that or no? Drop the gun, I got, man! I got, a, I got a good angle right here. Drop the gun! Drop the gun! Man, hold on, hold on, you gotta build dialogue. Man, tell, tell me what's going on. 
Tell me what's going on. I don't want to hurt you. We don't want to hurt you. Tell me what's going on. Just talk to me. Talk to me. What's going on? Why can't you drop the gun? Why can't you drop the gun? Let me remind you that in that scenario, the woman was inside of a hospital room, came there to visit her husband, decided to shoot him, shot the hospital up too. Employees ran, they were afraid. Police respond, police say, we got all the time in the world. Really? What about the person who's in the room with her? What about the bystanders who are located inside of that hospital? What about other patients? What about her shooting through the wall? No, no, no. They got all the time to make sure she survives. And she did. What about this one? This individual that you're about to look at actually uh, stabbed police officers. Let's put him up. This was in Georgia. He was already wanted for murder. Murder and home invasion. His name is Matthew Linares. He stabbed a Sandy Springs, Georgia police officer six times. He got close enough, stabbed him, multiple cops inside of the house. He runs down, he stabs them, they are all off guard. He stabs them and then they proceed to fight him. He does not die, he gets apprehended by the police. You see, this is why uniformity in policing is required. Why are these things so different, massively different? Because police are able to utilize this wide and virtually unlimited range under some context to implement justice. That's unfair to the people who deserve to live, but their death becomes justified in that perverted context. All right, Jackson, thoughts? I mean, there were multiple police officers. She's a woman. All she had was a knife. They have tasers. Not only do they have tape, I mean, uh, guns, but they have tasers. They have yep. knife sticks. They have a variety of other things that they could have used, including just ganging up on her and taking the knife out of her hand, and you know, maybe even pinning her to the ground or putting her in the chair, something like that. But her being shot just simply wasn't necessary. And you can tell. Well, you could hear and feel the fear in his voice. Um, when he yeah. when he did shoot her and when he when he said shoot her like he didn't you know like it was his first time in a situation where he had to deal with pressure yeah um, you know so that was just incredibly avoidable and anytime anything like that happens is it really is just a tragedy. It's so sad when you call nine one one you're calling a gun and I want people to feel comfortable calling nine one one when they have to because sometimes you do. But we have to be prepared for our lives to change dramatically from that call, and that's unfortunate. All right, it's happening. This is going to be a showdown legally, okay? The Attorney General, state of New York, has done what others have refused to do. She's suing a gun maker, finally. Let's put her up full mass, okay? Now, she has an uphill battle. But I like the legal argument that she's making. New York Attorney General Letitia James, and by the way, I've interviewed her. She's been on my radio show before. She has filed a lawsuit against the maker of a gun safety part that she claims Buffalo shooter Peyton Gendron was easily able to remove to carry out his deadly 
rampage. The lawsuit, which was filed Thursday, just three days before the anniversary of the racism fueled shooting was brought against Mean Arms. I want you to remember that name, Mean Arms, for its magazine lock part called the M.A. Lock. Now, I'm going to take you back to the reaction of those who are family members of the deceased. They get to make their victim impact statement like anyone else. Here's how it went. I'm not gonna be nice. My name is Barbara Massey, I'm Captain Massey's sister. You killed my sister. Cat, I'm gonna tell you about my sister, Cat. Cat weighed 110 pounds, 72 years old. Cat would do anything for anybody, anytime. Cat was intelligent, she was a teacher, she was my best friend. She was anything at any given time. Cat was a protector. Cat like to be. My son called Cat triple black because she was so proud of her heritage. My nephew said Cat was a saint among sinners. My sister Catherine Vasby was a great person. Cat didn't hurt anybody. None of these babies did. You gonna come to our city and decide you don't like black people. Man, you don't know a damn thing about black people. We're human. We like our kids to go to good schools. We love our kids. We never go in no neighborhood to take people out. Don't do it. Pain, the hurt, the heartbreak, the emptiness, the despair, the confusion, the hopelessness. Gun part maker is now going to have to prove it did not contribute to this. A 19 year old white supremacist, remember? was sentenced to life in prison, okay? Life in prison in February for killing 10 black souls, individuals, people, human beings at a top friendly market. Said in his manifesto that he was able to take the MA lock off of an AR-15 within minutes by using basic tools in his family's home and following easily available instructions. The Manhattan Supreme lawsuit alleges. The killer then added a 30 round detachable magazine that he used to kill the 10 victims and injure three others. All within just two minutes, the filing alleges. James says Mean Arms knew that its device could easily be removed. And it even had instructions on how to do so on the packaging. Yet it still advertised the item as making a gun compliant with New York time, with New York, excuse me, laws designed to curb mass killings, the suit claims. The MA lock is made to fix a magazine in place to prevent the use of detachable magazines, which allows shooter to quickly switch out magazines to keep shooting without having to stop and reload a magazine affixed to the firearm. The suit explains, we cannot undo the devastating harm that was done. But this lawsuit against Mean Arms is part of our ongoing effort to pursue justice for the 10 innocent lives that were unjustly taken, James 
said, I'm so glad she's doing this. All right, she's already bankrupt the NRA, exposed them for being corrupt individuals, and they are basically no more in that state, at least not under their former designation or corporate designation. So the killer pleaded guilty to murder, all right? No question about who did it. And hate motivated terror charges for the May 14th, 2022 tragedy. He received 10 life sentences at his February 15th hearing. Where Barbara Mapp said she wanted to personally choke Gendron for killing his sister, Catherine Massey, 72. Mina Arms didn't immediately return a request for comment on Thursday. They may have something to say about this in very short order. But let me explain the law. In 2005, the United States Congress passed the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act or Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. One, it is a federal law that provides broad immunity for many lawsuits to manufacturers, sellers, and importers of qualified products. What are qualified products? Qualified products include firearms, ammunition, or component parts. That's exactly what we have here of the firearm or ammunition. For these purposes, PLCAA provides general immunity from lawsuits to federally licensed manufacturers, federally licensed firearm dealers and importers, and entities engaged in the business of selling ammunition at the wholesale and retail level. This immunity also extends to certain firearm and ammunition industry trade associations. We created special laws. If those laws weren't there, you know what would happen? Everyday people will have the ability to really regulate the industry by a doctrine known as tort law, okay? They wanna be unsafe, they wanna continue making a product that hurts other people, fine, you can sue them. Uh, and the industries tend to, let's just say, change based on rulings in those lawsuits. Well, the government took that authority away. Uh, the AG is testing that authority now. Now, under another doctrine called strict liability, which means you just basically made something that's going to hurt somebody. You have a flawed design. Under that strict liability claim from the manufacturer, you can get a case like this in. But still a difficult uphill battle, but I'm glad she's doing it. Jackson, thoughts here? Absolutely, I, I think um, this case, I absolutely hope that uh, we see some positivity from it because these types of gun manufacturers simply sell uh, products to people that are unneeded and that are made to carry out um, uh, catastrophes and massacres like was taken out at top supermarket. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the argument for well, criminals will get their hands on weapons anyway. A lot of the people who do this are square. You know what I'm saying? And by that, I mean, they're not criminals. They don't got connections like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and quite frankly, pretty much every single last person who commits these heinous crimes, they buy these weapons legally, which is the problem. So yep. you poll the American people, Pretty much everybody's on board with common sense gun reform. It bottoms out at like 82%. That's right. And, and goes up. So uh, this is simply a matter of corruption, simply a matter of gun manufacturers making more money than they've already been making. And um, we need more people like Letitia James in positions who can uh, deliver lawsuits like this because once that uh, floodgate opens, uh, more and more positivity can come from it. That's right. Well said. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Now in April of 2022, things started to go sideways. Recording all this, move out of my way. Get out of my way, I'm calling law enforcement now. I'm calling law enforcement against you all now. 
Unsurprisingly, it wasn't long until the Hardys started gaslighting Derek into thinking he owed them. They felt entitled to business decisions. They felt like the home was theirs and he was just living in it. Derek was trying to retrieve business documents out of that drawer there, but they were trying to make it sound like it was their furniture and he wasn't allowed in it. Unshockingly, when Derek called the police for help, they didn't. In fact, the opposite. Now, after this incident with the Hardys, Derek tried to file a stay away order. But in court, the women all said that Derek was the one who attacked them. Even though there was video, who do you think the judge believed? The judge actually flipped the order and Derek was forced to leave his home. Legally, everything is in Derek's name. Wow. We did the story, Mr. Derek Williamson, earlier this week. Many of you are familiar with the story because it has been all over social media. We have Derek on the program today. Derek, good day, welcome to Indisputable, how are you? Hey, doing wonderful, glad to be here, sir, glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Now, there's a lot of content and context inside of this story. And I want you to do the best you can you can by explaining top to bottom, how did this happen? What was the back and forth? How did they get you out of the property? And where are we today? Absolutely. So yes, sir. So this all started in uh, um, in the year of 2021. Janet Hardy um, has a daughter named Jordan Hardy. Most of you have seen Jordan in the videos that I posted. Uh, but Jordan Hardy actually ended up having an unplanned pregnancy. And uh, thanks to Nerdy Pig and Panda, she's wonderful. But this was just a little bit of misinformation and a very vital element in this case is that uh, Jordan Hardy had an unplanned pregnancy and her father, Jay Hardy or James Hardy, dictated that the child had to be terminated, okay? And uh, Jordan said that she could not do that. I was very close to the family. He said that if you would not terminate the child, then you are not gonna be here, uh, you know? And, and so it, things got crazy. So then they reached out to me because they knew me very well. I was actually helping Jordan because she had, uh, a really tough substance abuse problem and just trying to just uh, give her some good insight and counsel, try to keep her on the right track, try to help her to get out of that. And she, uh, you know, she overcame it. And uh, long story, a lot shorter in reference to that, you know, the I stepped in in order to save the child's life. So that's how we ended up cohabitating together. I allowed them, uh, you know, Janet and uh, Jordan to move on to uh, move in with me on my property in order to get the, get them out of this the the stress and, and things that were going on with, uh, with their father, okay? And so that the child can be delivered. So that's how we initially all started cohabitating together to help them because they didn't have, uh, they said they didn't have anywhere else or anyone that can help them and support them that they're familiar with. Okay, so who are, let, let me ask you this, who are they? How do you know them? So, so the Hardys, you know, I used I'm the former director of one of the uh, biggest food banks in the city, and they were volunteers. They they you know they helped all the time. They always showed up. They dedicated time. They gave. They served. They cooked their people, and uh and just just very very just supportive of the ministry in general, you know. And uh and as time went on, you know, I would begin to notice them, and uh they would help, and uh and people people liked them, and they were just givers in every sense of the way. 
And then I began to close with the family because when Jordan was presented to me with the with the issues that she had, in order to step in, you know, Janet said, "Hey, I believe you will be a really good influence in her life. I believe that uh, she respects you, she sees, you, she listens to you, and I really need some help with her." And um, so, bottom line is that's how I began to get to know them, just through ministry, you know, just through them serving and helping, and uh, and me thinking that that was the the genuineness of them, right? Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. So you all are connected. You all share a faith, right? Uh, context. They were active in the ministry, the food bank ministry that you were the director over. That's very good work. Um, happy to hear you doing that. Uh, and also uh, with your animal sanctuary. So th- this came together, I'm sure, because of your background. It seemed like a perfect fit. Am I right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, when did things go south? So uh, it'd be in 2022, maybe uh, February, okay. that uh, the game changed. Okay, initially when Janet uh, approached me, she's pretty much told me, "Hey, you know, God gave me uh, instruction to to bless the to bless this ministry to help. You know, we I watched you save all these animals' lives. You've helped our family, and I've been, uh, you know, I've inherited a substantial amount of money, and I've been given instruction to." invest in the ministry and give a gift to the ministry to help. Um, and so as she gave that, she gave a substantial gift to the ministry where we bought our forever home with me and Janet co bought the property initially together. Um, and because this is a very important because a lot of people been asking questions about this. So I tried to do my best to do my due diligence to make sure that I never ended up in a situation that I'm in today. Okay. Obviously you guys have heard me mention Nicole Canoy. Nicole Canoy was a former business partner. I learned a lot of tough lessons through her. Lost tens of thousands of dollars, animals. Uh, it was a it was a mess. I chose to walk away from it and leave everything because with all the things going on in animal kingdom, I did not want to be on the news or anything for you know you know with a, a litigation with that. I walked away to start over, and that's what you know Janet res- you know uh, uh, respected that start over. And when she came into my life, she knew that she helped the animals there. She said, you know, you've been through a lot with this facility. You know, all these things happen. I'm going to help you. I've been told to do this. So that's why uh, when we moved forward and Janet approached me and I said, are you sure that you, this is something that you want to do that you've been led to do? Are you sure that you heard this clearly? She uh, reassured me many, many times that, you know, that was the case. So in preparation for uh, stabilizing the, the ministry and the business, I told her that in order, because I've been burned in the past and by that hellacious encounter with Nicole Kunoy, I said that I have to know, I trust these hands. I don't trust everybody's hands anymore uh, to do what we're supposed to do. The business must, the, the ministry must be on the deed. The deed holder must be uh, the, the the company because that's very clear who owns the land, who owns the assets, and it belongs to the ministry. So it belongs to the animals. So it was very clear, my name nor her name are currently on the deed now. It is my company's name signifying that the animals in the ministry are the true owners of that land. And uh, we made that clear with an immediate deed. We at a closing table, we made sure to make that clear. So if anything ever came up, I did my due diligence. I thought at least that to protect us because the deed was supposed to be clear, you know, and obviously okay. we're gonna get into it's not. Yeah, well, it, it seems to be clear based on my research, but others cannot clearly say that. And I'm trying to find the disconnect. So when a deed is unclear, it is unclear based on transactional history. So you can literally look at a point in the 
uh, journey of the deed and say, see, this is where it gets sticky. There's no such point here, am I correct? That is correct, absolutely. Give us the details of what happened when the eviction um, went forth. You tried to evict, they said, no, you, you actually can't evict even though you are basically the deed holder and the entanglement of the judge. Tell us what happened. So that's very interesting, okay? So uh, before, when all this began, you know, I'll, it was the, for those, to those of you that have seen my TikTok, you know, there's been altercations uh, through several assaults, have, you know, thousands of dollars of medical bills from leaving my facility, leaving my farm in ambulance multiple times. Judge Holt, okay, she uh, refused, for whatever reason, she refuses and refused to honor the deed in place, okay? She, uh, she, the first proceeding that I ever went to, uh, she made it clear to me saying, you own this in my county and I not know about it. And she told me, she said, you are not the, you know, you pretty much, you're not the owner and, and Janet is, you know, and she began to say those things at the chief magistrate court judge in court and not even being a superior court judge having authority to rule on, on that case at all. So bottom line, she moved against me and moved against the company when I went to her, went to law enforcement for help. So get this, when it comes to eviction, this is this is beyond me. Don't understand it in any sense of the way. I waited a long time. We waited a really, really long time to receive a verdict from the Superior Court. So it'll be, I believe it was November of 2022 that the Honorable Judge Mofford, a Superior Court judge ruled on uh, on this matter. And it was clear he denied every uh, every um, you know everything they tried to uh, come against me with to set my deed aside, the claims of what 1.5 million dollars, all these things. He denied them on every front. It was a hundred percent loss on their end. Okay, so after having a superior court ruling, right, with my attorneys, we went to uh, file eviction on on the parties on on all of the parties that are on uh, my property. So in court, you know, having that superior court ruling, right? Judge Holt refused to acknowledge it. Okay, uh, Janet's attorney uh, said in court that day. She, she, uh, the the attorney said the whole. There's been a, a new uh, filing against you. You know, and uh, Judge Holt's like, oh, really? A new filing has happened, and down here in Morgan County, and uh, and we were made aware, had no clue about this new lawsuit being filed, ain't nothing about it. But I was made aware, my attorney was made aware in court. We had not been properly served or anything like that. But bottom line, Judge Holt refused to acknowledge a superior court ruling and denied me the eviction. And then the next week is when the Hardys and the Canoys will go steal the rest of the animals. Wow. The facility. Okay. All right, a lot of nuance here, okay. Um, the ruling that said you're not able to evict, you need to file uh, this other um, filing. Did you do that? Uh, because there's been so much litigation and things, my attorneys have said that um, we're just going through the civil matter of of the, of the deed because pretty much they're uh, they've been giving us such a hard time. And no matter what we file, no matter what we do, no matter what case law is, they're not hearing it. So my attorneys have said, let's just focus on the on the, the the massive case that should cover everything else because they're denying everything on every front. Anything we we try to change venue is denied. We try to uh, you know file anything is denied. So we're just trying to go for the big case now. Is what my uh, attorneys are advising. Okay, let me ask you this question. 
in the process of this, has anyone from the judiciary, from government, they said, hey, man, we, we actually know you're right here. Um, but this is what's happening to you. Has anybody talked to you off, off record? No, sir. No one's reached out to me uh, at all. You know, so that's why I've been on social media and just trying to tell the story and trying to get help. We need help. As it stands right now, you still are the uh, deed holder. Uh, your organization name is on that deed. Are you able to walk into that home? Absolutely not. I've been uh, kicked off my land from over a year now. And Judge Holt said I'm not allowed on that property, and I the so I'm not allowed on it. It's been over a year that you know I had animals out there, all the company property and fencing was out, everything was out there. It's all company property, and she's made it clear that I'm not allowed on the land, and I've been been kicked off my property for over a year. And people that are not on the deed or in this company have been able to have my land and sleep in and sleep there, be there, manipulate, destroy, and steal to this day, and I've been deprived. Is there a has there been a motion presented to set aside the deed for cause? Uh, there has been a motion, uh, uh, to my knowledge, there has been a motion filed uh, in the courts recently. Uh, they dismissed the case and uh, Janet and Jay jointly dismissed the case in Rockdale County Superior Court and refiled in Morgan County. Uh, Superior Court. So now all everything has left Rockdale and has moved directly uh, into Morgan County. So I have not been served the new. Uh, I have not yet been served the new uh, case. But the last time uh, I was advised by counsel is that uh, Jay Hardy has, um, you know, has uh, allegedly filed a complaint again against my company, against myself that has already been ruled on. He's filed it against me again. And then on top of that, Janet Hardy has filed against me as well in the same court. Two different fighting, both of them fighting for the deed. Help me understand jurisdiction. Uh, Rockdale County, Morgan County. What's the jurisdictional connection between the two? Why are they able to go to both counties and file? And that's a little bit interesting, sir. Uh, so um, County is the initial court that heard this case. Because Janet and and Jay or James were getting the, getting that quote unquote divorce in Rockdale County, so that was where their petition was put forth. So that gave Rockdale County full jurisdiction in this matter and their and ability to preside. So once that ruling was done in that case, obviously the judge removed me from the case because it, you know our assets, the company, had nothing to do with those allegations or with with what was done. So because they could not win in that court. Uh, Janet was the petitioner, okay? Jay was the defendant. So they filed, they swapped it. So now Jay has filed, James has filed as the petitioner in Morgan County. And now Janet is a defendant in Morgan County. So they moved the jurisdiction by swapping the, the by swapping petitioners. And then the reason my the uh and the reason um my my my, the cases, the other cases that I had should have been moved out of uh, moved out of Morgan County because the, it was a conflict of interest. Wow, wow. All right, um, I do think there's uh, possibly manipulation, like you have suggested, uh, connected to how they're maneuvering. Uh, which, by the way, that's not in good faith, and typically that's a no-no in courts. We call that judge shopping, and typically it is uh, frowned upon, right? 
today, you are not at your property. Litigation is ongoing. What is your attorney saying will probably be the remedy or what is your hope? My hope is because having a phenomenal counsel, they've been doing a great job. Like they, she's really been doing amazing. But because the judges, okay, are not adhering to case law, to the facts, to these videos, to the evidence, to the medical records, to the deeds, they refuse to acknowledge it. I don't know. I don't. It's like I, that's why we we've come here to see if there can be some accountability to these judges to honor the law. They refuse, and my attorney cannot in the firms cannot make them act justly in my case they choose to uh you know i've exposed a lot of the corruption here they refuse refuse to do the right thing and honor the case law because we're dealing with a property dynamic that may have elements of racial discrimination why hasn't your attorney uh, petitioned the federal courts to supply jurisdiction here so we based off my understanding and my attorney uh, she's doing civil defense, okay? So she's pretty much making sure that when they're, they're trying to, you know, they've arrested me, they've done all these things, framed me, and she's been defending that and trying to just defend the quote unquote deed itself, even though uh, everything is secure. So she's been focusing all her time, energy, and effort. The firm has been just doing civil defense, and there's keeps on being new cases filed, new charges against me just coming up, and she's just been triaging it and just focusing on. The big things uh, into a civil defense, into another attorney comes in has an ability to hold government, uh, hold governments accountable and yeah. do civil suits against the parties. If that I definitely, sense. yeah, I definitely understand that because the suits coming in, she has to be responsive. That's going to take a lot of paperwork, a lot of attention. You got to have another attorney to do the other part. I do highly recommend that part of um, your at least thought process uh, takes it to the federal courts. Uh, I'm not an attorney; I'm just in law school. All right, so I'm not giving you legal advice. But definitely, it seems as if it has to get out of this local bubble for there to be an objective review of this case. All right. Um, for those who are watching, you have, uh, do you have a GoFundMe? Yes, sir, we do. All right, give out that information. So the GoFundMe is, uh, if I'm correct, it's help, help Derek stop the Hardys from stealing his farm. All the links are on my TikTok, my Facebook. Uh, TikTok is at Derek. Four, number four, wildlife 007. So the link is there, um, and uh, everybody's able to click on that. But it should say, uh, you know, help uh, help Derek stop the Hardys from stealing his farm. Uh, it should be the GoFundMe. We're going to bring you back for an update. I think things are going to move in the right direction, even if they don't move as fast as they should. Keep us updated on things we need to know, dear brother. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all having me on the show, and thank you for everybody supporting this call. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.